Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Lystico of the Des Moines Register, along with, hey, Jeff Linder, stop looking at me. <laughs> with Dargan Southern uh, of the Register, we are uh, recapping Iowa's uh, 87-77 win against Colorado last night. We've already had a round of interviews this morning to preview the Elite Eight matchup against Louisville. Pretty exciting uh, situation for the Hawkeyes. We might get to some Brody Breck stuff later in the show, Dargan, but uh, I guess where do you want to start? Do you want to do you want to revisit last night's game uh, t- to get going and uh, kind of tee it up for tomorrow night? Yeah, I think that's a good uh, good spot. Ignore the uh, I think it's a uh, coffee maker and maybe a fridge behind me here. So uh, interesting uh, backdrops uh, when you cram all these people in here. So, um, but yeah, you know, yesterday was you know a, a similar game to Sunday, and that you know it was it was tense. It was. Um, you know, it was something that Iowa had to fight through a lot of adversity in the game, you know, foul trouble by Monica Sonano and Caitlin Clark, which, you know, really hasn't been a huge hurdle this year um, at times. And um, again, you know, Iowa kind of just relies on its on its vets, relies on, you know, what it's taken to get here um, and, and kind of push through that Colorado game. You know, there was a big run um, at the beginning of the third quarter, about a 13-0 push that they really kind of gave Iowa a little bit of separation and allowed them to play from ahead for, you know, the, the entire second half and, you know, had some wiggle room when it got tense and close down at the end. So, you know, again, it's this month doesn't need to be a bunch of basketball masterpieces. It doesn't need to be, you know, the prettiest win from start to finish. You just kind of got to get the job done. And uh, Iowa did another good job of, of doing that last night. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Uh, you mentioned that because uh, in talking to Kate Martin last night, like, you know, I brought up like the defensive rebounding, you know, like they gave up 21 offensive boards, but then she's just like basically said in a nutshell, like, yeah, but we won, right? Like you just have to like find a way, even with, if you weren't strong in that category, you know what I mean? And, and you have to give credit to Iowa for, you know, it's high powered offense. Uh, Caitlin Clark, obviously 31 points, eight assists. And, uh, you know, getting crunch time buckets. Um, that's that's kind of how this team has – I mean, we, we watched the whole Big Ten tournament together, Dargan, and, I mean, just think back to that Maryland game. You know, Maryland made that push late, and, you know, when they needed a big three, there was Gabby Marshall. I mean, they, this team just seems to have a knack for, you know, kind of put, uh, putting, a, putting a bow on it when they need to at the end. Same thing with the end of the Georgia game. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, all the the obvious reasons that Iowa's experience has been beneficial, um, you know, are, are there and have shown throughout the year. But um, you can't really replicate a situation like Saturday or a situation like Georgia. You know, it's not something you can practice. It's not something that is the same in the regular season. Um, and so the fact that this group has gone through, you know, its third tournament together now um, has kind of experienced the whole gamut of emotions from the upset last year to the the kind of shocking a little bit run to the Sweet 16 in 2021 to now this year, which, you know, seems to be all kind of culminating with, you know, all these experiences and all these moments that this Iowa team and this, you know, starting five in particular has gone through. And I think that really keeps everybody calm. I think it keeps the composure um, in these tense moments, in these tense games, you know, level-headed. Um, and I think that's a big reason why you've seen Iowa – you know, even though there's been some some hairy moments at times during these last two games, they've 
they've really tightened up and and did what they needed to do in winning time. And you know they're they're going to need all that uh, again tomorrow against a team that you know has tournament experience, more tournament experience, high in tournament experience um, in Louisville that you know began the season ranked just three spots behind Iowa at number seven in the preseason poll. So, you know, even though there's a five seed by Louisville, um, this is far from your average five seed. You know, this is a team that is expected to be here, wants to be here, and is used to being here. So, um, again, all those all those little things matter uh, this time of year when, you know, your season's on the line. Yeah, we might as well have- might as well look ahead to the matchup, right? I mean, uh, no point just, you know, rehashing this Colorado game over and over, but um, uh, it is kind of, uh, I was, I was going through my column today and, uh, talking about preparations, you know, like, what do you do? Like with such a short prep, for example, you know, like those kind of questions, like how do you, you know, how do you get your team ready and how do you not like be too overwhelmed by the pressure whatnot? And then while I was putting this column together, um, it was, it was kind of a fun one to write actually. Um, but while I was putting it together, like I pieced together Iowa's postseason record in the last five years. Okay. So they, you know, uh, nine and uh, t- 12 and two in Big Ten tournaments and nine and three in NCAA tournaments. I mean, that's, that's 21 and five in postseason games the last five years. Um, that's a pretty good March track record uh, for this coaching staff. And so, um, that's, that's pretty impressive to think about. And, and so, you know, as you say, Louisville's at, in their fifth straight Elite Eight. But, you know, Iowa's postseason track record is really kind of stacking up, um, you know, with the best of them, really. Uh, they just need to get one more to, to, to make that – that uh, clear that hurdle to, to Dallas. Yeah, and again, you know, it's, it is kind of ironic a little bit that, you know, this is – probably the biggest game tomorrow that Iowa wins basketball has played. And certainly anytime I've been covering the team, probably much further back than that, yet you get 24 hours to prep for it. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes that can be a good thing just with so much flying this time of year that, you know, you you kind of want to minimize that, that time to where, um, you know, it kind of works like us in writing. You know, sometimes deadline writing is is – you know, you get the best stuff out of it because you're just putting down the first thing you think of. And so, you know, I think it kind of works like that a little bit on the scout too. Um, You know, if you had three, four, five days to study a team, you may overload your players with information and stuff like that, especially when you're playing a team that you don't know. Um, And so I I think that Iowa has, has mastered being able to, um, you know, transition quickly from one opponent to the next. And again, that's experience you pick up in the Big Ten tournament. That's experience you pick up in the NCAA tournament. That's not anything you really deal with during the regular season. So, um, you know, I think Iowa has a lot of confidence in its preparation, a lot of confidence in the efforts that it's taken to get here. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll tip it off tomorrow and, and see what happens. It's kind of interesting uh, that Iowa's won these last two games while getting 90 seconds of court time from Hannah Stolke. Uh, I think that's, I, I wonder, I talked to her a little bit today. I mean, uh, the ankle was fine. Uh, Bluter just kind of went with the coach's decision to go with uh, Addison O'Grady off the bench last night, uh, kind of, you know, citing like uh, freshman jitters type of thing and and not really the best matchup. I wonder, Dargan, I mean, I feel like we're kind of forgetting her a little bit, and I just wonder if maybe she shows up tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, she's certainly – 
do, you know, if, if you want to put it that way, um, just because of, you know, it's, it's not been the smoothest tournament for her, but again, you know, you, you think about all the pieces that Iowa has and all the contributions that, you know, make up a tournament run. Um, you know, I'm not sure Addison O'Grady playing her most minutes, I believe you said since Iowa state, which was in early December, um, you know, that's certainly not something that you count on needing uh, going into this tournament. So, you know, they, they have been able um, to, to kind of get through things, even, even with the bench, maybe either injury wise or production wise. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, um, you know, you haven't really seen a lot of freshman moments from Hannah Stolke this year. So, um, you know, I, I, it feels like she was kind of, playing with house money a lot this year and that, you know, it usually takes a freshman a little bit of time to, to get into the swing of things. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I think, I think her showing up big on, on Sunday could be one of those X factors that you look back at and say, you know, we didn't really expect this to happen. You know, it wasn't something that was penciled in as, as, you know, a key for Iowa to win, but, you know, you might look back and say, okay, that was, that was a pretty big moment in this whole thing. And so, um, you know, I, I know she'll be ready to go. And I know, you know, going through this the first time, even if you're on a team with a lot of experience can be, you know, an eye opening thing um, just because the NCAA tournament environment is really a lot different than the regular season environment. Just, you know, the responsibilities you have, the the eyes on you and all that. So um, a, a bounce back performance on Sunday would certainly go a long way for Stolke just in her confidence and her development, you know, moving forward throughout her career. Uh, and certainly, obviously, Caitlin Clark will be the, the top storyline for Iowa, of course. And uh, you're right. You wrote about uh, her uh, relationship with Haley Van With, uh, the Louisville star. Uh, why don't you, you fill in our readers or listeners um, on some of that backstory? Yeah. So, you know, it's it's similar in that Haley is to Louisville in a lot of ways what Caitlin is to Iowa. You know, they – they are the clear-cut catalyst that makes everything go. They kind of run the show up top. They play with a lot of the same energy um, and that passion and that fiery demeanor that, you know, some people love, some people hate. Um, it's just kind of kind of what side of the fence you fall on. But, yeah, their relationship goes back to, uh, to USA Basketball in 2019. They were um, teammates and roommates even together um, on the team that, that took home the gold in Thailand. Um, and another element is Jeff Walls, the Louisville coach, was the head coach on that team. Um, so it was interesting to talk to to Haley and Caitlin today about their time together and, you know, what that experience did as far as, you know, that, that first big step um, in, in that level just because, um, you know, at that point neither of them were committed. Um, they were both high school players kind of playing up a little bit um, with a lot of names that a lot of people would recognize now um, going through that roster is pretty crazy. So um, I, I think it was there first that they gravitated toward each other. Just, you know, a lot of similarities on the court, a lot of similarities in, in how they play and view the game. And so um, it, it seems like they've maintained a, a decent relationship over the years. There was a funny moment um, in the press conference today. Uh, somebody asked uh, Jeff Walls about his relationship with Caitlin. Um, and, and just kind of a microcosm of, of how they have kept in touch over the years. Uh, Jeff said he texted Caitlin after she hit the game winner against Indiana and said, uh, if you remember that shot kind of rattled around before it fell, and, and the text said, 
um, it hit the rim. It wasn't that impressive. So um, it, it seems like that they have a good relationship and they've, you know, maintained close uh, ties over the years. So a lot of, a lot of familiarity uh, in this matchup, even though it may not seem like it just because these two teams are from different conferences, different areas and all that. But um, you know, those, those elite players at the top can, can cross paths on USA basketball um, all the time. And it seems like that, um, it's it's going to be a good showdown just because there are a lot of similarities in how uh, those two like to do business. And the you know this uh, the little thread that Iowa is playing Louisville, which is where Ava Jones, um, the tragedy there involving her family uh, father, took place, came up today. And uh, Lisa Bluter, you know, mentioning that that Jeff Walls. You know, supplied the Jones or you know, supplied them with transportation um, during that time of need, and uh, you know, had no cut. You know, his his treat type of thing, and um, it was just uh, you know because Bluter had reached out, you know, looking for help, you know, um, for for that family. So it's kind of cool. He just he seems like a really great great dude, great coach. Obviously, Caitlin has a ton of respect for him. So um, it's a you know it's. Uh, it's kind of another not little thread, you know, like you don't ex- like how, what are the odds you know, that all these things are kind of tied together. Um, so kind of interesting. What about this Louisville matchup, Dargan? I mean, um, you know, this looks like a team, you know, it's a 26 and 11 team, but it's sort of one that's found its way toward the end of the season. That's kind of, I, I think, a fair way to put it. They had some, you know, you look at the early season schedule, you might be perplexed at some of the losses, but I think they were just sort of, sounds like they were looking for right combinations. And that's why they're, you know, they have 11 losses, but they're kind of returned right to, to top 10 status. So this is going to be a difficult matchup. I feel, I mean, I feel like it's a toss up to me as I look at it, Dargan, but I was favored by five and a half. So why don't you explain to me, uh, (laughs) explain to me why that's the case. Yeah, I got to say, I was I was a little surprised by that number two, just because it was the same spread that they had yesterday, and you know I feel like Louisville's probably a little better than Colorado is. So, um, but yeah, you know it's been a it's been an interesting season for Louisville. Um, you know, again, started the the year preseason number seven. Um, you know, I think some people had them even higher than that. You know, really expected to compete. Um, you know, in the ACC as they do year in and year out, and you know, it was, it was kind of a tumultuous journey through the season. You know, the ACC is, you know, a, a league that doesn't have a lot of off nights. You know, it's, you got to kind of bring it, um, you know, most of the time during conference play and, you know, they took some stumbles and, you know, I, I doubt a five seed is, is what they had in mind when the season started. Um, and, and you even go back within this tournament. I mean, they, they had a real shot to lose to Drake on the first night um, of the tournament. And so, You know, this is a team that kind of fits the mold of what a lot of coaches want to see. You know, maybe not maybe not the the struggles at the beginning, but the getting better over the course of the year to where it definitely feels like that they are playing their best basketball this time of year. You know, watching some of the game last night, you know, that was an old Miss team that came in with a lot of confidence and, um, you know, really felt like they could do something in Louisville, you know, never never really let them get control of anything. So. Um, you know, I, th- I think there's it's interesting the path that these two teams have taken to this game where you have Iowa who's kind of, you know, ridden those expectations and kept them at full throttle all the way through the season. And then, you know, Louisville's path's been 
a little more circuitous to this route, but you get to this time of year and, you know, everything's kind of even and, and feels that way. And it feels like this matchup's going to be another one that, you know, resembles Georgia, resembles Colorado. You know, it's tense, it's tight. It's it's going to come down to, you know, in all likelihood, which stars can make the plays because, you know, that's why they're out there. That's why they run the, their shows. And so um, I, I expect, yeah, the, the five and a half definitely confused me. I, I think uh, I think it's going to be a little tighter than that. Um. What do you think of the, of the crowd here? It surprised me uh, very. I mean, I expected that there'd be some Hawkeye fans here, but it was like, I don't know, 70% of what we saw at Minneapolis. I mean, yeah, it, it was, what do you think? What would you say? It was definitely a pro. I mean, Iowa crowd last night. I mean, anytime Iowa, you know, that run in the third quarter, um, you know, when they closed things yeah. out, it, it was very clear that they kind of owned the, the, fan uh setup and so you know it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds tomorrow you know obviously i imagine you know there's going to be a lot of iowa fans here it's really been well attended overall you know looking last night they had the curtains um on the middle section of the upper deck but everything else was full and and was loud and was a great environment and and everybody's talked about how seattle has been you know a, a great scene up here um, and so it'll be interesting when you have two players that like to feed off the crowd and like to channel that emotion and and really, uh, you know, that's a big part of their game for both Haley and Caitlin. And so um, the crowd, I think, will play a big factor in this and just, you know, who can kind of grab it and who can make it make it make a difference. Um, you know, I was did a good job of that in Minneapolis. Um, obviously, it's it's not quite that thick, but still pretty strong. Um, and so, you know, the Iowa fans have been pretty impressive all season and uh you know i expect that again tomorrow night last couple things here dark i mean just think about the opportunity here i mean it's uh you know lisa bluter has been coaching 38 years this is her second matchup in the elite eight <clears throat> first one i mean they were heavy underdogs against baylor in 2019 uh you covered that game um totally different situation here you know the hawkeyes are favored i mean if uh and then you look at you know, they've only been to one Final Four as a program. I mean, just so much history here on the line. The fact that Caitlin Clark came to Iowa said, hey, I want to take this team to the Final Four. That's my goal. And as we've noted, she's been saying Final Four, Final Four, Final Four all year, not national championship, right? I mean, this is kind of the goal. This is the game to get it done. And uh, it's uh, it's exciting. But, you know, when you get to this point, you understand, like, it's – hard to get to this point and we've seen Iowa have to fight off two tense games you know they had to win the Big Ten tournament I think to avoid South Carolina right I mean it they've had to play their way here it's hard to get to this point it's really hard to get to this point and to have this opportunity is 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 just massive right now for Iowa women's basketball yeah I mean the fact that that Bluter for all of her success and all of her accolades hasn't been to, to the final four. And, and, you know, this is really her first, I feel like legitimate shot to get there. You know, they were, I think they lost by like 30 to Baylor. Baylor ended up winning the national title that year. So that was, that was kind of a foregone conclusion what was going to happen before that. But yeah, I mean, you, you, you get so ingrained in the season and, you know, you, you go kind of game by game a lot of the time when you're covering it, just because that's, that's what you're hearing from them. But I mean, when you kind of zoom out and you look at all that stuff, it's it's all a big deal because, you know, 
Iowa doesn't get this chance very often. You know, they've they've not really been, um, you know, in a position like this in a while where it's not just a chance to go to the Final Four, but it's expected that they go to the Final Four, and it's expected that they take advantage of this moment, and it's hard to really envision them getting a better moment than this just because of, you know, Monica Sedano leaves after this year. You know, Caitlin's got one, maybe two more years. Um, you know, it feels like that this – if this is going to happen for Iowa, it's going to be in this moment. Um, and it would be, you know, a pretty spectacular accomplishment for them to do that um, because, you know, I, I'll admit when when Caitlin, you know, early in her career when she was talking about going to the Final Four, I was kind of like, well, that's that's a nice dream, but, um, you know, it, it's going to take a lot of breaks for, for that to happen. And granted, Iowa's gotten some breaks. They have, and, and you know, pretty much every championship team <clears throat> needs that along the way. So it's not like that's really, you know, fueling things. But, you know, I, I think they would probably still pick playing Louisville over playing Stanford tomorrow. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's it's a big moment. And um, but again, you know, I was been dealing with with big moments a lot. You know, this group in particular has. And so none of it is, is as big as tomorrow, but it kind of feels like everything has prepared Iowa as best as possible for this moment. And, and it's not going to be it's not going to be a case where they're overwhelmed by the situation because um, it seems like they've had this this in their sights really the whole season. And so um, it's like you said, it's been a it's been a tough journey. It's been a hard earned journey to this point. Um, but I have a feeling that if Iowa doesn't win tomorrow, it's going to be hard for for Caitlin Clark to to stomach, you know, that kind of ending to this kind of season. And so, you know, I think that just kind of puts everything further in perspective of, you know, what's on the line tomorrow. No pressure. No pressure. No right? Anyway, check out my column to, to kind of read about how they're dealing with the pressure. It's actually pretty impressive. <laughs> Um, some of the measures that they take, and they all kind of do things a little bit differently, you know, like some take a walk, some get coffee, some doing homework. Others, like Kate Martin, is just like diving into every piece of film she can find, you know what I mean? Like, it's just whatever. Uh, and it's, it's something that comes from the coaches, too, like where it's, uh, you know, they, they don't want to overwhelm their players and make them think too much about the game. They just kind of want to, quote, unquote, be us, right? And so that's kind of their their theme of the year. Um, really fun group to cover. It's been it's been awesome um, to be here so far. We're thankful the register sent us both up here to do this, and um, appreciate all of you who are subscribers because uh, without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. So thank you very much. Um, let's talk one other uh, topic here, Dargan, that also bridges your beat, uh, Iowa baseball. Uh, some news yesterday that uh, Brody Brecht. Uh, going to focus full-time on the baseball, on the 101-mile-an-hour fastball, as opposed to the uh, ex-receiver exploit. So he is leaving the Iowa football program, essentially. So um, obviously, you know, kind of thought probably had to do this at some point, right? Um, and he did. Yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't, I haven't talked with Brody or, or his family or anything along this process, but it feels like the last person that had to be convinced that this was the move that needed to be made was Brody. And so, um, you know, again, I, to me, it's, it's really a no brainer because, um, you know, all respect to Brody, but I don't think he's making the NFL, you know, I don't think he's, he's quite that good, but you know, the MLB potential is, is absurd, you know, and, and we've seen it start this season where, you know, he's, he's kind of honing everything down, you know, his starts are, are becoming more crisp and becoming more effective. 
Um, and you've seen his stuff really kind of, you know, take over college baseball social media um, in a lot of ways. Just people kind of jaw drops at, at the stuff he has. And so, you know, I, I, I totally understand why he wanted to start with football um, because, you know, again, you, you have a lifelong dream as a kid. You grow up, you know, we've seen what the Iowa football program means to, to kids in the state and whatnot. So I totally understand wanting to, you know, at least give that a try and, and not, not have any regrets on the football front. Um, but again, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious where his future is um, and that's baseball. And, you know, I, I think that there was a lot of chatter that, you know, his football playing football was hurting his baseball stock just because, you know, and, and it's understandable, you know, teams don't want to invest millions of dollars in a guy who's, you know, out there on Saturdays, you know, putting his body at risk the way that, that you do have to do in, in big 10 football. So um, again, you know, it's, I, I'm sure there's a little, it's a little bittersweet for Brody just because football has obviously been a big part of his life for his whole life um, and Iowa football too. So, but again, you know, I think, I think, I think this is the, the only decision really that made sense uh, for his future. Yeah. And uh, his stock is now going to go up because they don't have the scouts don't have to worry about him, you know, falling in love with football again. You know, it, it, this is his sole focus and uh, yeah. Uh, but you know, Another tough blow to the Iowa wide receiver core in football, though. I mean, they just—they're uh, going to have to hit the portal in May. There's no doubt about it. Uh, for more receivers, I mean, Seth Anderson's basically out for the spring. Uh, the new transfer they got, um, Deontay, uh, I'm sorry, Jacob Bostic is out for the spring. So, um, you know, they're—they're they're thin. They're really thin there right now. With uh, I think Nico Ragagnini and Deontay Vines, the only two scholarship receivers in spring ball. So, uh, not good. Not good. That's, uh, not good. that's not a position you want low scholarship numbers at because yeah. you, you inevitably go they, through a few over the course of the season. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely have to, I mean, they're going to have to use uh, swarm and get somebody in like a big time receiver in here. They need like a, they need to get like a number one receiver in here somehow. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 to transfer. Yeah, I mean, Nico Ragini is a, a solid college receiver, but if he's your number one receiver, then I, to me that doesn't that doesn't you know project a lot of confidence, especially with all the scrutiny that Iowa's offense is going to be under this coming season, even with the new quarterback. So, right. yeah, the the hits just kind of keep on coming for them. Exactly. All right, uh, Dargan. Uh, as I'm watching you know, at our arena here, Ohio State is ahead of UConn by 11 points. Wouldn't that be crazy? If uh, I saw the Big Ten hadn't had two teams in the Elite Eight of the women's tournament since 04, they have that already with Iowa and Maryland. Potentially. Lisa Bluter did say go Buckeyes this morning. So She did, and go yeah, Tarps. She, she said go yeah. Tarps. <laughs> go, go Tarps. Yeah, we'll uh... – <laughs> We'll we'll just chuck that up as a as a slip <laughs> on that one, not it. Any, any no, sort of diss to no her, shot at Brenda Freeze, her yeah. fellow Iowan. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, it's it's it could be a big big uh big finish here for the Big Ten for sure. Yeah, uh, Iowa looking to become the first or any team. Uh, no original Big Ten team has gotten to the Final Four since 05. So uh, Iowa can can break through that tomorrow night as well. So for for Dargan Southern, 
Chad Lastico here, the registered saying thanks for joining us. And uh, we will probably do a post game one tomorrow night, I'm guessing, um, come hell or high water. So uh, thanks for following our coverage and uh, talk to you soon.